The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. Nobody has more respect for women than I do. Nobody. Hillary Clinton wants to abolish it. Believe me. She wants to abolish our Second Amendment. I think they didn't deny it. I don't think anybody denied it. Other presidents did not call. They'd write letters, and some presidents didn't do anything. Many people have come out and said, I'm right. You really do have to ask yourself, where does it stop? Hello and welcome to Fallacious Trump, the podcast where we use the insane ramblings of a certifiable kumquat to explain logical fallacies. I'm your host, Jim. And I'm your other host, Mark. A logical fallacy is an error in reasoning that results in bad or invalid arguments. And the logical fallacy we're looking at this week is the fallacy of equivocation, also known as doublespeak. So uh, equivocation is where people use a word or a phrase to mean two different things within the same argument. And by Mm -hmm. doing so, they kind of derail or take the the argument on a, a slightly in a slightly different direction than it mm-hmm. seemed like it was going sometimes. Yeah. Equivocation as a word generally in the English language is usually used to mean not necessarily being very clear on what what your argument is or, or just not having a lot of clarity really. If you equivocate, yeah. you can kind of you can go both ways. You can say that either one is right. And and when you're doing it as a logical fallacy, mm. that can kind of be a feature of, of it because you're using that single word or phrase to, to mean more than one thing. Yeah, there's been lots of that banded around during the the recent spate of politicking in the UK with uh, uh, Johnson accusing, well, and the leader of the Liberal Democrats accusing Corbyn of equivocating over his stance on the referendum, um, which he kind of hasn't. He's just been a bit unclear in, insofar as he hasn't been as clear as the Liberal Democrats who are just saying politics, politics, bollocks to Brexit. <laughs> and uh, he's not, you know, but yeah, he hasn't been equivocating. So it's, it's that kind of, yeah, it comes in the set of things which are like dithering, delay and equivocating. Yeah. In that it's a, it's a way fallacy of, of yeah. ambiguity. Mm. Um, so our first example actually doesn't doesn't come from Trump, although it is. Trump adjacent. Okay. In that it is from Mick Mulvaney's kind of crazy press conference where he admitted all of the things that they'd been saying weren't happening. Right. (laughs) And this particular part is in response to uh, some testimony that was given the previous day, I think, from Michael McKinley, Mm -hmm. who, when he testified, he gave his uh, opening statement and said... The timing of my resignation was the result of two overriding concerns. The failure, in my view, of the State Department to offer support to Foreign Service employees caught up in the impeachment inquiry on Ukraine. And second, by what appears to be the utilisation of our ambassadors overseas to advance domestic political objectives. Mm-hmm. And then he clarified that last part by saying, I was disturbed by the implication that foreign governments were being approached to procure negative information on political opponents. So he's saying part of the reason he resigned was that our government was trying to get foreign governments to give us negative information on political opponents specifically to to Trump. Yeah. 
Now, Mulvaney characterises this as right. just politics, and here's what he said. Well, McKinney said yesterday that he was really upset with the political influence in foreign policy. That was one of the reasons he was so upset about this. And I have news for everybody. Get over it. There's going to be political influence in foreign policy. I'm talking to Mr. Carl. Uh, that is going to happen. Elections have consequences. And foreign policy is going to change from the Obama administration to the Trump administration. And what you're seeing now, I believe, is a group of mostly career, politi- uh, career bureaucrats who are saying, you know what, I don't like President Trump's politics, so I'm going to participate in this witch hunt that they're, that they're undertaking on the Hill. So Mulvaney is using, at, at the beginning of that, he's using politics. Mm. in the way that McKinley was using it yep. to say that what Trump is doing is benefit, benefiting personally yep. through his his political ambition, essentially, yep. Yep. Um, of attacking his political rival, Joe Biden. And then later on in the same thing, he's saying politics is going to have an impact on foreign policy mm. and Trump's politics and policies are different from Obama's. But that's not the same thing at all. We're not talking about the politics of the US and getting and using influence over foreign powers to get some political benefit from for America. Yeah. So by using politics in both parts of the argument, Mulvaney's being quite disingenuous and just saying, yeah, well, you know, this is something he was upset about that. That's that's something we do all the time. It's just part of, you know, having some domestic policy objectives that are, the foreign policy is getting used to achieve those objectives. Yeah, and and he also um, does the equivocation of Trump's politics with Obama's politics because the, it's difficult to ascertain what Trump's politics are um, and uh, other than that they're different from Obama's politics. So he's kind of using that, he's bouncing it off the... Um, what we associate with Obama's politics in order to say, you know, it's it's just going to be different from what you're used to. Yeah. Which, you know, which is a different argument than saying, you know, we're not using it to our own political ends to advance domestic political objectives. It's about, he's saying, well, yeah, sure, politics will be in foreign policy is affected by politics. And you go, well, yeah, of course, but that's yeah. not what he said. You've just taken one word and you've slightly skewed it. Yeah. And in fact, slightly earlier on in the press conference, uh, when he was specifically, uh, it was pointed out to him that what he was saying was happening was a quid pro quo. Mm. That's when he said, well, we do that all the time. And what he was saying immediately after that was um, at the same time as we were withholding aid from Ukraine in return for them investigating the Mm -hmm. DNC server, uh, conspiracy theory. Yeah, <laughs> um, we were also withholding aid from the Northern Triangle countries, uh, which is the Central American countries. Mm. And in that case, that was to get them to basically do more to reduce uh, illegal immigration into the US. Mm-hmm. So he was directly comparing those two things. Yeah, and saying yeah. that this is these are just thing two things that we've withheld aid for. One of them yeah. is directly to benefit Trump. Yeah, and the other is to achieve an objective which is one of Trump's, but is theoretically at least for the good of the country. So yeah. it's completely different. It doesn't let you escape the illegality of withholding um, uh, aid 
to pursue your own political, personal political objectives, that's still illegal, whether you're withholding aid for legal reasons elsewhere <laughs> or for yeah. moral reasons elsewhere. You know, yeah, well, that's just, you, you can't get away with that. No. Um, yeah, well, no. No, no, not anymore. I've been able to get away with it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> now yeah. we're going to do something about it. <laughs> Quite, yeah. So our second example comes from a tweet that Trump retweeted in 2015, which was a guy from uh, called, or possibly a woman, who knows, mm-hmm. uh, called at MPLefty67, mm-hmm. who said, if Hillary Clinton can't satisfy her husband, what makes her think she can satisfy America? Nice. So, That's a great example, <laughs> isn't it? That's really good. Yeah. yeah. So the word go, satisfy, yeah. they're obviously not being used to mean the same thing. No. Um, <laughs> and and realistically, the, the point is that even if it if it was taken as read, if if we take it as true that Hillary Clinton was unable to be sexually sufficient for Bill mm. Clinton, mm-hmm. um, that doesn't have any bearing on whether she is able to be a good president for yes, exactly. and yeah, yeah. satisfy America. Yeah, because yeah. um, I guess that's the that's the way you counter this fallacy, isn't it? You put in the actual meaning that you're using um, or the same meaning in both places. Yeah, if you put the same meaning works. in both places, it becomes yeah. clear that it just doesn't make any sense at all. Yeah. So if Hillary Clinton um, can't sexually satisfy her husband, what makes her think she could sexually satisfy America? Probably well, nothing. Well, yeah, exactly. <laughs> I don't think anything makes her think that. She's not thinking that at all. So, and yeah, yeah quite. So that, but it's quite a neat little. It's a neat trick, isn't it? That you can do it because yeah, you're yeah. you're going along and you're you sort of chuckle with inner agreement at the. Can't satisfy a husband. Oh, yeah. What makes you think it's satisfied? And, it, and it's, it, it has, for me, echoes of ask not what Americans can do for you, but what you can do for America. It's that yeah, kind it's of a, a... it's a, an oratory technique yeah. in that respect, isn't it? Yeah. And sometimes it can be more uh, more subtle than that because that's quite a blatant one. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but there's another um, Trump tweet from 2018 when he said, uh, Twitter is getting rid of fake accounts at a record pace. Will that include the failing New York Times and propaganda machine for Amazon, the Washington Post, who constantly quote anonymous sources that, in my opinion, don't exist? They will both be out of business in seven years. So he only used the word fake once Mm -hmm. in that tweet, but he's using it in context, basically. He is saying Twitter is getting rid of fake accounts. These two newspapers are fake news. Mm -hmm. Therefore... Will Twitter get rid of them? Get rid of them, yeah. Of course, what Twitter was doing in getting rid of fake accounts was getting rid of accounts that were not the people they said they were. Yeah. They were they were people pretending to be other people or, or you know, pretending to be humans when actually they were bots. Mm. Um, the, the New York Times and Washington Post accounts, no one was claiming that, that the, they weren't actually, the newspapers weren't behind those accounts and they were actually yeah. fake yeah. accounts. Yeah. Um, Trump's contention that those papers are fake news is totally separate and mm. a different meaning of the word. And now is the time, I think, for Mark's British politics corner. OK, so I've only got one clip this week. So, and again, it's not it's not Boris. It's Boris adjacent. Um, and uh, so this clip is in three parts, and I think it's worth kind of going through it. So this is um, Labour MP Lisa Nandy, who's the Labour MP for... 
I can't remember where, Wigan. Um, and she is on talk radio with a presenter called Mike Graham, who styles himself the Independent Republic of Mike Graham. Don't know what that means. And basically they're talking about Boris's deal that he brought back from Europe and the fact that Parliament um, didn't like it and then at some point later on they kind of voted it through and they said this has been passed through Parliament and so they're really, this current um, Tory Parliament is very... Tory government, rather, within the parliament, is very clever at covering up the use of words by giving them multiple meanings. So there's this notion that parliament is blocking the deal. He's come back with this deal from Europe and they're blocking the whole deal. Um, And I've transcribed this entire uh, conversation because they kind of over talk over each other um so it's and it's good to kind of read through it and we'll put it up on the show notes and it's also i found it difficult to follow because i started shouting at the screen <laughs> at how appalling um this behavior on the part of the journalist was and so in this first clip um lisa nandy explains to mike so this must have been going on this is the clip that was on the, um, the talk radio website itself so i think it's a it's a shorter clip of a longer conversation that's been going on before and handily what lisa does is explain both what the difference between a deal and um the withdrawal agreement in uk politics uh, and their relationship with the eu difference between those two and the fact that the journalist has been employing uh, rhetorical and fallacious tricks um, in talking about the two. You say that Labour MPs are sitting here are trying to use language, misleading language, you in order are. to mislead the public. You keep talking about a deal. We haven't negotiated a deal, and this is part of what is obscuring this for the public. You have to be clear about what's happened here. So you're going to tell me... you're not me telling that, the truth. Well, you're going to tell me... Well, I am telling the truth, because that's what I do. Yeah. What I don't do is obfuscate the truth, which is what that's you what people do. That's what you've just do. done. That's no, exactly that's what you've just done. So you're done. telling me that Theresa May did not go you're to Brussels... You're telling the public we've got Theresa a deal. May, we haven't started negotiating. You're telling me Theresa May did not go to Brussels, did not negotiate a deal, did not bring it before Parliament, and it was not voted down three times. She negotiated a withdrawal agreement which settled legal and technical questions and allowed the UK then to go and negotiate a deal. Those negotiations haven't yet started. That is one of the reasons the public are so frustrated. It's one of the reasons I'm so frustrated, and it's one of the reasons that we're trying to bring that withdrawal agreement bill before Parliament for the first time to see if we can get a majority for it and then allow Parliament and the government to have a role and a say in what those Why don't you have an election then you can be in charge like. of So the uh, the bit they get they talked over the at the end she's saying you know we we need to get this what withdrawal agreement before uh, parliament so that parliament can agree what the ongoing relationship vis-a-vis the negotiations with the EU would be. So there, she quite neatly just says, OK, this is this it wasn't a deal. And then she kind of hoists him by his own petard and says, you need to be telling the truth. Well, I do tell the truth. That's my job. You go, well, no, that's not what you do because you, you are literally have been obfuscating 
covering up the truth, doing exactly what he's accusing the Labour Party of doing. So he calls him out on it. Uh, so basically, he then changes the subject. So this is clip two, which is the the, the next bit straight on. Um, and this is where the equivocation happens. So listen out for the multiple ways that deal gets used. Why don't you have an election, then you can be in charge like. of the government, and then you could do what you wanted. Because if we have an election right now, we give Boris Johnson the power to set the date. And if he sets the date for after the 31st of October, we leave the EU with no deal and no arrangements at all. Well, you say we haven't got a deal now. Well, we've got uh, a deal. because You we're just still, told me we, we didn't have a deal. We, we haven't left the EU yet, so we've got a deal in that we're still... Te- you just told me we haven't got a deal. The European you can't Union. even have a deal a minute ago and now not have I, a deal. I think you're just trying to. I think you're just trying to be difficult. <laughs> I think he is too. He is. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And what? And I think also what he's trying to do is is be a um, uh, you know an investigative journalist of some standing, and he's just employing the tricks he's heard John Humphreys. Um, do on the BBC Radio 4 Today programme, which are you know, very considered thoughts, but they sound like hectoring interruptions. So he's just gone, oh, well, I do that. I can do hectoring <laughs> interruptions. So the equivocation goes on where she says, um, if we have, you know, why don't you have an election now? Because if, if we have it now, so this is on the September the 4th, um, and the date for leaving the EU was set for 31st of October, having been moved several times. So the problem is, if there was an election now in September, then that would still give Boris the power to set the date, and he would set it after the deadline. Therefore, we would leave the EU and he would be able to say, I've got us out of the EU. I don't have to die in a ditch like I said I would. Um, I can deliver on my promise, all that kind of stuff. So she's saying, if we do that, we will leave the EU with no deal. And he says, well, you say we haven't got a deal now. So, well, we haven't yeah, got that's a deal. Not a good, that's not a good thing. If, he's, if She's saying what we don't want is to leave the EU without a deal. Yeah. And when he says, well, we haven't got a deal now. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. That's exactly. why we yeah. would end up that... leaving the EU without a deal. Yes, <laughs> because we, we haven't have... got one now. The date <laughs> will come along and that deal that we don't have now would become the yeah. absence of the a no deal. deal. That, yes, what we need exactly. yeah. is yeah. a deal. It's a deal. And he said, well, we have got a deal. And then he said, well, you just told me we didn't have a deal. He said, no. She explained that there was not a deal. You said we had a deal. And she told you that was wrong because you only had a withdrawal agreement. And she, yeah, she then clarifies. She does complicate things. She does rather. She tries, I, I, don't, I don't think she is equivocating, but she does point out that because we are still in the EU, yeah. we currently have a deal. In right. that the the deal is the what one we've, we've had for got. years. Yeah, thought you we don't years. have yes. a, a deal for withdrawing. We yeah. have a deal with the EU, so she yeah. confuses it. I don't, I, I don't think she's deliberately trying to use a different meaning of it, but she does use a different meaning of it. So I can kind of sympathise slightly with people who say she was equivocating as well, but I, I don't think she is. I think she's just kind of trying to use his language to say. At the moment, we already are in a position where we have agreements in place because we're part of the And then he says, you can't have a deal a minute ago and now not have a deal. Actually, yeah. And I think actually what he meant to say was, 
you can't say we have a deal and not have a deal rather than the other way round. But he's so he's doing the the he's trying to get her to admit to the fact that she's used deal in two different ways when she hasn't. She's been very clear um, to distinguish the definition of deal, notwithstanding throwing in the uh, we're still in the EU one. So, yeah, there it, there it is right there. Um, so let's have a listen to the um, the third clip where he says, I'm not speaking nonsense, I'm not being difficult, just trying to get at the truth. I'm not, I'm just trying to get at the truth. I'm just trying to get at the truth. We haven't left the EU Right, yet. so do we have a deal? So we, 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 don't, we haven't negotiated a deal, You just no. said we had a but deal. But we're in the EU at the moment. Yes. If we leave on the 31st of October, we aren't... I don't really understand what's so difficult about this for you. Well, we, I've not made it we're difficult. Leaving I, the EU I do on my job every day, October. right? You guys haven't done your job for three years. Well, this is just complete nonsense, because you're not doing your job now. You're pretending to the public that all we're doing in Parliament is running around well, that's what it looks trying like. to stop and a that's deal. What they'd say to me because I, I talk to the public the every purpose. single day and that's what they say to me they're sick to death of politicians arguing over semantics arguing over little niceties and making excuses about why we cannot do what they asked you to do which is to leave the European Union there's a nice bit there where he said there's what they're saying they're sick to death of politicians arguing over semantics if you will yeah, that's literally the entire job that they have to do right now yes <laughs> Quite. And and also, that's exactly what he's just been doing yeah. in this interview in order to try to appear to be a seeker after the truth. sued by the Beatles lawyers once again for there they are with don't let me down because that contains the line and from the first time that she really done me who she done me she done me good <laughs> which I think has got a, it, it's somewhere between an equivocation and a double entendre yeah so days are getting longer and longer are you gonna are you planning on releasing an <clears> album for I am yeah yeah I'm gonna do that a 12 inch mix things. of those yeah <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that was rather a long one. Sorry about that. Yeah, but it's a slow record. You can't, uh, yeah, you know, you can't rush it. You can't rush it. <laughs> so, in the fallacy in the world, we like to talk about the fallacy of the week from a non-political perspective. And uh, this week, we have quite a few examples actually, because our, our first one is from Alice in Wonderland, and this clip is actually from the 1985 TV movie version. Ah, because although this is in the original book by Lewis Carroll. It doesn't appear 
in either the Disney version or the mm-hmm. Tim Burton version. Mm-hmm. So this is Carol Channing as the White Queen. The rule is jam tomorrow, jam yesterday, but never jam today. It must come sometimes to jam today. No, it can't. It's jam every other day. Today isn't any other day, you know. Mm-hmm. Yep. So it's jam every other day, and today isn't any other day. So you can't jam have jam today. All uh, right. Uh, yeah. 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 I mean, the, and the thing is, obviously, Lewis Carroll being humorous uh, here, and and the equivocation fallacy is a very big one for comedy. Mm. Obviously, when it's when it's a fantasy, it's about people doing it deliberately using yeah. two meanings, um, and it doesn't have to be the same person using that meaning twice. It can be one person says it and then the other person responds in a way that means they've completely used a different meaning of yeah. that phrase yeah. or word. So another example uh, here is from a Monty Python sketch uh, in which an accountant is giving a presentation about his audit. This firm last year made a complete profit of a shilling. <laughs> a shilling, Wilkins? Uh, roughly, yes, sir. Wilkins. I'm the chairman of a multi-million pound corporation, and you are a very new chartered accountant. Isn't it possible there may have been some mistake? Well, that's very kind of you, sir, but I don't think I'm ready to be chairman yet. (laughs) That's great, isn't it? (laughs) Yeah. Well, it's like, yeah, I've got, that's the, uh, it's like the one in Airplane where he says, I've got a message from the hospital. What's that? It's a large building full of doctors. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so obviously the, the phrase is some kind of mistake. Uh, Graham Chapman yeah. means it as you've made a mistake with the accounts and yeah. uh, Michael Palin thinks, oh, it's a mistake in who should be chairman of the company. Exactly. So. Yeah. <laughs> Lovely. So and as soon as we decided that we were going to do this, um, the subject for this week's episode, um, I immediately thought of Abbott and Costello's baseball sketch when, you know, who's on first, yeah, who's on first what's on yeah. second. Um, all that stuff as well, but there's another one which um, my brother and I used to do. I don't know why we used to watch Albert and Costello. I think they're great because they're actually That's awful. Love that. No, they're, oh, they're no, horrible. They're great. no, they're not. <laughs> I used to love them. <laughs> yeah, well, I did when I was little, and we used to do, and we used to do this sketch a lot. Um, and so this is the one where Lou is trying to uh, he's being guided in to park a car for a for a woman that can't park the car. So they go, oh, yeah, well, we'll, we'll do it. So um, uh, Bud's standing on the sidewalk and guiding him in and, uh, and goes like this. Uh, wait a minute, take it easy now. Go ahead. Huh? Go ahead and back up. Take a punt. Back up. Back up. Go ahead. <laughs> what do you want me to do? Go ahead and back up. I'll tell you when. You just told me i got to back up. Well, back up. I'm going to back up. Go ahead. <laughs> I can't do the two things at once. I either gotta go ahead or I gotta back up. Now, what do you want me to do? Back up or go ahead? What are you saying? Go ahead. Back up. Please, don't make a production out of this thing. You're only trying to get the car out. You want me to back up? I'll watch for you. You want me to back up? Back up. I'm gonna back up. Go ahead. <laughs> Uh, with hilarious consequences, yeah, it's, it's great. So the the, the equivocation is, um, yes, uh, g- proceed, yeah. and <laughs> pro- proceed with the backing up, and uh, and which direction do you want me to go? So uh, yeah. you want me to go ahead or back up? Well, I want you to back up. Yeah, go ahead, go ahead and back up. 
And that's it's just, and it is infuriating, isn't it? <laughs> even though, even though Lou is at pains to explain, you see, you're telling me to go ahead and back up. What do you want me to do? Do you want me to go ahead and back up? I want you to back up. And he's just like, Bud's going, no, I'm not having any of that. I just don't, <laughs> I don't understand what your objection is. Just get the car out, will you? Yeah, you back up, go ahead. And it's, I love it. There was one, there was a, um, an example that my brother got onto a, coach coming back from university and the, all the tickets were like pre-sold and somebody was on the coach sitting in his seat without a ticket then they just got turned up and uh, and the conductor on the on the coach said to her come on get off <laughs> and, but she didn't she didn't do a, a Lou Costello and go well we should have <laughs> do you want me to do yeah exactly yeah she just got off <laughs> he, he noted it from years of doing that sketch yeah. so we're gonna we're gonna play fake news folks I love the game it's a great game I understand the game as well as anybody as well as anybody yes it's time for fake news the game where I read out three Trump quotes two of which are real and one I made up and Mark has to figure out which one is fake news so, um, and the thing is, my warning to you is this week that if you stick with this approach in order to try and beat me, I'll have no, no choice but to use it as a stick to beat you with. Right. You see? There you go. Yeah. Bit, over, bit overwrought, okay. but it's an equivocation <laughs> nonetheless. Yeah. In, in my honor, in my defense, I was left unsupervised. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Um, (laughs) Okay, Uh, this week, uh, it's not a theme as such, except that all of these uh, come from the same speech that Trump gave to a uh, a kind of just Republican convention dinner, and Mm. it was uh, kind of batshit, so... (laughs) (laughs) If in doubt... (laughs) <laughs> that we can always rely on it being batshit crazy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay. So, yeah. Uh, statement number one. We have Secretary Azar, who's doing a great job, really a tremendous job on healthcare. He came to me and he said, sir, what people want is transparency. I said, explain transparency. And I got it done. And it's going to be put into effect very soon. We signed it a few months ago and it's going to be in effect. And people can go to the hospital and they can see the prices. They can negotiate. Right now, they don't let you do that. But now you can. Okay. Statement about transparency. Two. <laughs> yeah. Is can't see it. Tell me, Mr. Yep. President, tell me, Mr. Prime Minister, tell me, King or Queen, why are we protecting your country and you take advantage really of us on trade? And they go, but nobody's ever asked me that question before. I said, tell me why. They can't think of an answer. The only thing they say all the time, because it's always been that way. I said, well, it's not going to be that way any longer. That, there, we go, there we go with bloody trade is bad yet again. <laughs> and the, the fact that there's no answer doesn't make it wrong man god's sake okay and Uh, statement number three yeah people said what's with the light bulb i said here's the story and i looked into it the bulb that we're being forced to use number one to me most importantly the light is no good i always look orange so do you (laughs) the light is the worst but number two it's many times more expensive than the old incandescent bulb that worked very well and very importantly, I don't know if you know this, they have warnings. If it breaks, it's considered a hazardous waste site. Uh, <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay. I love that. I always look orange. 
You always look orange. Doesn't matter what <laughs> light bulb you stand outside, you look orange. Stand by a color temperature blue filter, you still look orange. What is so? It's just let's make America the fifties again, isn't it? What was wrong with what was wrong with the gaslight in the corridor? And it's a hazardous waste site. Okay, quite like that one. I quite like him to say that one. Just have him say, "I always look orange." Uh, okay, tell me, Mr. President, tell me, that King of Queen. Mm-hmm. And that's. You said a great job, great job on healthcare. Okay, it's, um, that one sounds. Uh, okay, I think. <laughs> trouble is, what we know about him and trade and and all that kind of. Oh God, I think that number two is the one you made up. Okay, uh, yeah. which of the other are you more? confident about i i don't know about confident but i think the one i really want him to say is i always look orange <laughs> please please let him say that okay so state yeah so number, number three. three yeah yeah is is real yes I said, what's with the light bulb i said here's the story and i looked at it the bulb that we're being forced to use number one to me most importantly The light's no good. I always look orange. And so do you. The light is the worst. But number two, it's many times more expensive than that old incandescent bulb that worked very well. And very importantly, I don't know if you know this, they have warnings. If it breaks, it's considered a hazardous waste site. And a whole bunch of minions come out of the, or the no, the cleanup crew from uh, uh, Monsters Inc. Monsters Inc. All, yeah. all appear, <laughs> declare it a waste site. It doesn't. That it doesn't. It just no, no, no more than a Not true than a halogen strip. That is so good. He does that. Oh God, he's he's just a it's, he's a, just a second rate comedian, isn't he? He's like the kind of comedian you go to when you go to um, holiday camps and, and you know, they do the same routine or on a cruise ship. They do the same routine over and over again. And he's just – and he kind of tired. He's going, well, what can I say? I'll just do do the self-deprecating thing, Donald. <laughs> yeah, I, I look orange, knowing that it will get a laugh. But he, And it's nothing to do with the bulb. It's to do with your skin dye. That's what it is. Yeah. So this Uh, is, where this comes from is that um, in the US, like in the UK, they have uh, the the kind of pear-shaped bulbs that you used Mm. to get that had a tungsten filament in. Yeah. Um, They have stopped using those. They've been outlawed. Uh, just like in the UK, we are using now mostly LED, but some halogen, mm. some different kind of mm. uh, bulbs. And um, there was a crossover period where the the kind of incandescent bulbs were going out, but we hadn't got the good LED stuff yet, and we yeah. were using yeah, all the fluorescents. Yeah, uh, yes, yes, yeah. Which were kind of, they came in a little twisty kind of shape yeah. so that you could get enough light out of them. And they were better... Uh, in terms of energy consumption than the mm-hmm. incandescents, but not as good as what we have now. The um, Obama administration made sure that you you aren't allowed to get the 
incandescent kind of pear-shaped ones anymore, but mm. other ones, other shapes like spotlights and kind of uh, the globe-type ones that you have in around dressing mirrors and things like that, yeah. you could still use incandescent bulbs for. But they were right. going to be phased out at the beginning of 2020. Yeah. And what Trump has done is said, no, we're keeping them. We're not phasing them out. Because he doesn't give a shit about because they the don't give a shit about the environment. Yeah, and absolutely. most and actually, it's not really about that. It's about just undoing everything Obama did in yeah. order to roll the clock back to 1953. And you know when incandescent light bulbs were in you know in great use and they were terrible and they've been replaced and are much more efficient, last a lot longer. Yeah. I mean, that's the thing. It's the incandescent ones. They lost such a lot of energy through heat. Mm, yeah. Most of the energy that you, that went into making a bulb work was was yeah. making making it hot. Yeah. Um, these days, they are uh, 10 times at least more efficient in terms of energy. And the thing is, he says they're more expensive. They're many times more expensive. They are more expensive to buy. They're mm. usually about three times as expensive to yeah. buy. But they last about 10 times longer. Yeah, exactly. yeah, They cost a lot less to run. Yeah. So if you've got like 20 bulbs in your house, you're saving a lot of money on your electricity bill. Yeah. And you don't have to replace your bulbs as often. Because so actually, actually part saving of the, yeah. works significantly in your favor. And part of the function of the incandescent bulb brings about its own destruction because it causes a, a spike in the supply because it, you know, it switches it on. And it goes, you know, so there is a a surge in the supply just to uh, bring it to life. And because it's going from, um, it could be in a cold room, it goes to hot, then it that surge makes it potentially break. That's why they, uh, the filaments inside them break a lot because they get very hot very quickly. And if they've Absolutely. been in a cold room, that just breaks the filament. Whereas an LED doesn't there's no surge involved it doesn't do that that's not how they work and they are tremendous you can have much brighter because they're a lot smaller so you can have a lot of them in the space of one incandescent bulb and you can have huge amounts i mean the the big bulbs that you'd have 200 watt ones for i don't know whatever a flash photography and stuff like that you can have much more than that in the same space because of LEDs for a lot less yeah. energy use. It's just what, where does it? What is it about? It's well, the thing is that apart from the expense, which we've talked about, the two other objections that he has that the light is no good and that it's a hazardous waste site um, are, are not to do with LEDs. That the, the LED, mm. light from LEDs is is excellent. It is much more controllable than the light from from incandescent, and mm. and is much more consistent. And uh, and not there is orange. There isn't any hazard <laughs> with it breaking. If they yeah. when they stop working, you can just throw them away. Yeah. With what he's talking about is is compact fluorescence, which mm. um, they they have gases inside. If they break, there is sometimes there was a tiny amount of mercury, mm. um, and and that needs to be cleaned up carefully, and um, and they but they don't break very often, and yeah. uh, the lighting was inconsistent often. Mm. Um, I actually had uh, a couple of large compact fluorescent, like a, mm. a kind of 
six inch long ones that I used to use for, for video and they were right. daylight balanced, very good. Um, oh, wow. Light. Yeah. But, um, and the, and I kept them, quite I used them for about that, seven or eight place. years yeah. and they did never went or broke. So mm. yeah, they were good. But in the, this kind of standard cheap ones that you get for the, for the house, they didn't always have the best light. But they aren't they aren't used anymore. No, they're just there's Can't like two percent of the kind of light bulbs that are sold are still fluorescent, uh, compact yeah. fluorescents. So, well, that's because that, everything that Trump Trump made his mind up about everything in about 1989. Yeah, and is and he's not changed his mind since because it worked for him then. Not that actually anything worked because he went bankrupt several times. But yeah. but then but that's it. He's just got stuck with that, and so. Yeah. yeah. So based on that, he's he's um, keeping incandescent bulbs for um, for certain shapes. So there you go. Uh, <laughs> statement number one, you think is real? Oh yeah. And yeah. Number one is yeah. yeah. Fake news. Oh oh, blimey, that's very good then. Not least because the other one is a jumbled mess. <laughs> and I, and I should, oh, that's excellent. That's very good. Nice work. So, what is that based on? Any, any? It's very, yeah. Some of kind of snippets of stuff that he's yeah. talked about transparency and and I, I, it was what he said about transparency was so jumbled that right. I wasn't quite <laughs> clear whether he Ironically, was whether yeah. it was connected to the ability to negotiate prices and stuff like that. But right, I don't know. Anyway, Actually, what you should do, I think, once we've finished the, <laughs> once we've run out of either Trump or fallacies, <laughs> then you could just become a. Oh well, then no, because then Trump wouldn't be there for you to write the speeches for. No, no. Oh well, no, forget Which means that. Then. The statement yeah. number two, yeah, is is real. No. Tell me, Mr. That- President. Tell me, Mr. Prime Minister. Tell me, King or Queen. Why are we protecting your country? And you take advantage of really of us on trade, and they go. Uh, but nobody has ever asked me that question before. I said, "Tell me why." They can't think of an answer. The only thing they say all the time, because it has always been that way. I said, "Well, it's not going to be that way any longer." I, I, I am absolutely sure he's never had that conversation no. with any president, prime minister, king, or queen. No, <laughs> because they're not the kind of the people that make the connection between protecting the country they don't think they are being protected by america and they don't make the association with trade as a result because they're more about economic stability and peace and security and sure if you want to place your um military in our country so that it gives you a second seven a seven second advantage over <laughs> north korea launching missiles further north then who are we to say in fact what we'll do is send you really cheap televisions so yeah you know this is the trouble is trump has he doesn't understand allies um <laughs> yeah or other, trade, other people, or yeah. <laughs> yeah, or the fact that just because U.S. soldiers are in another country, that doesn't mean you're protecting that other country. Yeah, it's you know sometimes you have foreign bases for your for your military for for, for your use, own advantage, for yeah. and things yeah. like that. It's if if we if you have some soldiers on an airbase in Germany, it doesn't mean Germany would have been destroyed if it wasn't for you. 
Yeah. That's not how that works. And therefore, you don't have to get the Germans to pay you to keep American soldiers there because you want American soldiers. Yeah. So that you've got that ability to have people in in Europe and oh Christ he just doesn't get it at all <laughs> well, it's there's so like much we had, of it that um, he doesn't get it's time we had American missiles missiles here in the UK and there were great demonstrations to not have them here mm-hmm. and you know with the, the Americans were complaining that we were uh, demonstrating about it so yeah but they're nothing to do with us it's you just want missiles on this soil because it gets you nearer to whoever your current enemy is. What it does is make us a target. It doesn't yeah. protect us at all. It means it's like we're the, the first US line of attack. That are apparently in Turkey. Mm. I'm pretty sure that's not to protect the Turkish. There's going to yeah. be another reason why the yeah. US have kept their nukes there. Because Russia's not um, far away. And yeah. yeah, exactly. And Iraq. Uh, yeah. And Iran. And all that is kind of there, quite. And the Russians are in Syria, which is even nearer. (laughs) Yeah, they're not going to put them there to protect. Well, we know that they're not protecting Turkey because they just got out of the way and let them be not very protective of their own people. So, mm. well, actually, ironically, they were protecting the Kurds (laughs) anyway. Yeah. So uh, that means, unfortunately, you... Oh, no. Right. Oh, yeah, I forgot Rich. about that. We were playing a game. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's, yeah. it's actually scored, yeah. this thing. So yeah. your score is now oh, uh, 14 no. out of 35, Five. which is which cancels down to two-fifths or, right. or 40%. Oh, well, which is still sounds, you know, very, quite substantial. It's a nice round number. Yeah, it's a nice got, round number. You've, you've built up uh, enough wins that, that you'd have to – drop quite badly to go below chance again so okay, I think, yeah, okay. Right. there's still a chance that might happen <laughs> oh it's yeah uh, likely i'd say but still <laughs> yeah it's the part of the show that this week at least is called never trumpers are not a logical fallacy because i love that invention of never trumpers <laughs> that is just such a brilliant shorthand doesn't it yeah yeah, Never Trumpers actually does refer to mostly Republicans, but mm-hmm. basically people who who say who used to say before Trump that Trump would never be an okay thing to have as a prime minister, as a president, uh, yeah. which is fair because yeah. he is, and it's actually but, true. Yeah, yeah. Um, but Trump has decided that Never Trumper means anyone who doesn't agree with him, uh, as any yeah. Republican who doesn't kind of. Uh, yeah, absolutely kiss his ass, and yeah, most recently he's been using it to describe people who are testifying against him <laughs> in the impeachment right. inquiry. Fair enough. Yeah, um, yeah. But he tweeted uh, on October twenty third. He said, "The Never Trumper Republicans, though on respirators with not many left, are in certain ways worse and more dangerous for our country than the do nothing Democrats. Watch out for them. They are human scum." So. That's nice. A president of the United States calling members of his own party human His own scum. party. Yeah. That's... People who ostensibly oh. support <laughs> the cause that he is the leader of, human scum. Yeah. Nice. He keeps calling the people who are testifying uh, Never Trumpers. He called Bill Taylor, who testified last week, uh, a Never Trumper. And Bill Taylor was uh, he's the US ambassador to uh, Ukraine, and he was appointed under Bush. 
he was a West Point graduate. He was a, a um, infantryman in Vietnam. He's a a kind of you know American war hero who Obama took out of the position of ambassador to Ukraine uh, so that he could put someone who agreed with him on policies in, yeah. and yeah. who resigned under Obama in 2014. When Trump came in, Mike Pompeo convinced Bill Taylor to come back out of retirement to be the U.S. ambassador to Ukraine um, and convinced him by telling him that Trump's foreign policy was very much in favor of Ukraine and against Russia, (laughs) like supporting the Ukraine against Russia. Um, Right. So they lied to him, basically, to get him to to be (laughs) the ambassador. So at, at no point has he been a Democrat or Someone who was, yeah. you know, he he the voluntarily came out of retirement to work yeah. for Trump, basically. Not, not a never Trumper. He's been a, yes. he's been a Trumper. He's been yeah. at, at the very he, least a Republican. Yes, and, possibly against his better judgment, <laughs> a Trumper. And now he's discovered in his role as ambassador to the Ukraine certain things that have gone on that he doesn't think ought to have gone yeah. on and brought them to the attention of the people who look after that kind of stuff. Consequently, he's now never Trumper. <laughs> you know, yeah, totally. I was I was a Trumper up until this point, <laughs> and now I'm not. It's a not Trumper. I'm just like a no disagreeing a with you. Yeah. No longer a Trumper, yeah, yeah, not anymore. Bill Taylor's testimony yeah. was pretty damning because he wasn't on the call to uh, Zelensky, but he normally would have got a uh, a transcript of it because he's the right. ambassador to Ukraine. So that makes sense. He, if if there's if there was a call between call the president going and to, the, the president, yeah. then then he would yeah. be kind of looped in and know what had gone on and what had been talked about, so that he could continue to do mm. his job effectively. Um, he didn't yeah. get a transcript of this call, uh, but he had heard that it had gone on. He got a kind of cryptic um, summary of it from Ukraine, and he talked to a few people who had been involved and were on it and found that they had kind of said, yeah, the, the call could have gone better. And um, <laughs> yeah, and yeah. Uh, he... Something yeah, to say. He, he heard yeah. basically that... the that pressure had been put on and Biden had been mentioned and, and kind of found, found these things out. And and he's the guy who was having a, a kind of a, a, a text conversation with Gordon Sondland saying, you know, uh, why are yeah. we withholding aid in return for um, mm. dirt on a political rival? Basically it was kind of yeah. upfront about it. And Sondland was going, no, I don't know what you're talking about. This is crazy. No. Shush. Don't it's talk bad. about this on we text. Are not- yes Yes. we have nothing to hide there's nothing going nothing to see here yeah Yeah. so because the investigation is being done Mm. uh, uh, as Mm -hmm. as far as the republicans concerned in secret in a kind of stalinist way right we don't know what the actual testimony was but we do have taylor's prepared remarks that he opened his testimony with we also have the prepared remarks of all of most of the other people who have testified including um general vindman who testified yesterday as we as we're recording Mm. uh who is a military officer who he was he came he was born in the ukraine and he fled to the u.s when he was three years old with his parents and he has he's won a purple heart he has served several ambassadorships and he's basically been a, a staunch u.s 
person the, yeah. his entire life no. he has worked for the u.s military. not much is, of a ukrainian yeah, there is there is no way really. that, that yeah. really you can say that that he has done any, anything other than valiantly serve his country and he was on the call to Zelensky. oh right yeah and apparently his testimony has confirmed not only a lot of what the whistleblower said yeah he did say that the transcript was a was reasonable in its kind of clarity of what had actually been said but missed out several mm-hmm. things including specific oh. mentions of Burisma, the company which uh, Hunter Biden was on the board for, uh, and and a couple of other things. So, again, his testimony, quite bad. <laughs> um, bad for Trump, that yeah. is. And, and yeah. Trump naturally has decided to say that he is a never-Trumper, and many, several Republicans, not only that, but that he is uh, obviously, clearly, a Ukrainian double agent, um yeah and since the age of since, three yeah since since he was yeah. born in ukraine that's obviously you know the only been, thing you can assume is that he was he's obviously actually working for ukraine yeah. against the u.s deep 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 undercover yeah. as, a, as a sleeper for for 40 <laughs> years yeah and then they've woke, woken him up just on this one phone call and said something a bit like a bit like the Ipcrest files that <laughs> said something in his ear, and now he's coming out with all this tosh yeah. in a Ukrainian accent. No, it's, oh, it's just and the interesting thing is that this actually seems to have gone a bit far for some Republicans uh, calling this this patriotic wow. yeah. war hero yeah. um, a, a, a Ukrainian kind of asset. Um, and even Liz Cheney has come out and said yeah. it's shameful to question his patriotism and his love of this nation. Which, wow! I mean, when when you've got Liz Cheney go, speaking out against other Republicans, that's pretty. That's yeah. pretty amazing. That's quite serious, um, isn't it? So, the, yeah, it's gonna it's got getting to the point. If if it hasn't got to the point where. Yeah, they're just going with the, no. You're even making too much noise for the. You're giving Republicans a bad name. <laughs> that you know you're it. So actually, the most of the probably like Liz Cheney. What you can wait for the next tweet. She'll become a never Trumper. <laughs> you know, or yeah. you know, a heretofore. You know, she's a betrayer of. She's a Trump traitor. She's you know betrayed the purity of the the Trump master race, and you know all the ideals. She's she's now turned on me in this witch hunt. It's all cascading around me. So it's yeah. yeah I mean, good for her for calling it and, out. Well, I'm wary about saying good for this Janie for anything. But um, <laughs> speaking of of people giving Republicans a bad name, uh, Matt Gates, uh, congressman and. Uh, man demanding to see the manager in a forehead shop is um, <laughs> he kind of corralled a, a group of other idiot Republicans together to to storm yeah. into one of the confidential hearings uh, last week, which wow. was yeah, I mean, probably against the law at least, um, and definitely yeah. very bad and and also completely unnecessary <laughs> because. Yeah. These here, these these uh, investigations that they are doing, um, the the Republicans are trying to say because they don't have any kind of actual substance to to argue against. They they can't 
say Trump didn't do the things he's already admitted doing, given us the transcript of him doing and then done again on TV. Yeah. Um, they, yeah. they have to say, well, this is being done in a very bad way. <laughs> the way that you are, yeah. you are proving that the president has committed lots of crimes is not okay. And so yeah. what they're saying... So it becomes a, me- a meta process. Yeah. So what they've yeah. said is, is yeah. you know, this is all being done in secret and it's, uh, it's like in Soviet Russia. And the, the thing is, the Deputy Assistant Defence Secretary Laura Cooper was being deposed um, by mm. the House Intelligence Committee. And in their desperate attempt to show that this was a, a Stalinist regime doing something in secret in the basement of, um, of Congress, yeah. it was happening in a skiff in a, uh, a sensitive information compartmentalised facility. And uh, yep. that is designed to prevent, um, basically, people spying on what's going on. Because some of the stuff that right. you might hear when you are deposing high-up government people are national secrets. So yeah. So what you yeah. don't want they, yeah. is, is foreign is people listening out. Yeah. Um, yeah. So they, they have it, they hold them, uh, if if that isn't might be a possibility in these secure facilities, and uh, Matt Gates and and his friends stormed in with cell phones, uh, and mm. and broke all the and rules of of yeah. being yeah. in that place, uh, and probably several laws, uh, and they they <laughs> stayed there for five hours, ordered pizza, and disrupted the the. Um, <laughs> depositions the thing is there are i think 11 uh, republicans on the intelligence committee so it mm-hmm. wasn't a democrat kind of run thing that the, the republicans no, so it, didn't well, have no it wasn't a to. the republicans yeah. on the committee can just go and tell trump what's going on if they want it's not a secret <laughs> yeah because because you would want members of both parties there to make sure that to be the the checks and balances in place to make sure that what's going on is acceptable to both parties that they aren't doing things um that they can be accused of distorting the law or um not recording what's been going on and what's being said properly so yeah what better way to do it than to have half democrats half republic Republicans. But the thing is, uh, and why these are done in secret, is that this, uh, at this stage in the impeachment inquiry, what they're doing is gathering evidence. They're not holding hearings mm. for everyone to yeah. find out what the evidence is. They're going to do that yeah. now. The, Nancy Pelosi's announced a vote to, to start the public part of the impeachment inquiry. Mm. But, um, but what they've been doing, it's like when, if someone is accused of a crime, the police quietly questioning people who might know something about mm. it instead of immediately going on TV and saying, right, we, yeah. we, are, we have had this accusation that this person has, has committed this crime and we will be investigating it and we'll, all of the investigations will put all of everything we hear in the papers. That's not how that works. Yeah. They wait until no, they have all evidence your likely evidence providers. Yeah. They're all going to run <laughs> yeah. the ground, don't they? Yes. So, yeah. And so no trial, nobody's on trial. No, not yet. They're just gathering all the evidence to see whether a prosecution Absolutely. needs to be brought. This is the part yeah. that informs them 
for the next part. And when they have the public hearings, all of it will be out in the open. And I'm reasonably sure mm. that actually if the Republicans thought about it, they wouldn't want the stuff that has been talked about so far to all be yeah. out in the open. It will come out, the stuff that needs to. But um, there's, yeah. there's going to have been a lot said that possibly they would rather wasn't said in public. So the optics of, of uh, storming the hearing was to try and uh, make it into a biased Democrat-led and uh, solely Democrat-organised and held uh, inquiry. So somebody's been put on trial without um, due diligence and uh, the, the process of law being applied, but it's completely wrong. What it What it's made them look like is they're trying to cover up stuff that's being yeah. talked about fact, what they've done to, for their own ends you just it's justice, kind of backfired uh, yeah <laughs> yeah there yeah. you go that's <laughs> that's exactly it yeah and finally some things we really don't have time to talk about stop the presses trump has done a good thing wait a minute that's going to need an asterisk uh, let's just say trump was president when a good thing happened U.S. Special Forces carried out a raid which resulted in ISIS leader Abu Bakr al-Baghdadi blowing himself up. Trump announced al-Baghdadi's death in a batshit crazy press conference at the weekend yeah. in which he went into great detail about the terrorist leader's last moments which he apparently spent in fear, whimpering and crying. The chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff, General Mark Milley, said he wasn't quite sure where Trump got that information since reportedly the live su mm. surveillance feed that the White House had access to had no audio. It also seems likely that Donald didn't watch it live as the raid took place at 3.30pm Washington time, at which point Trump was still on the golf course. The official photo the White House released of Trump and the generals apparently watching the raid in the Situation Room was taken over 90 minutes later, and the photographer forgot to tell them that they were supposed to be looking at a screen, not at the camera. <laughs> we must of course remember what Trump tweeted after bin Laden was killed. Stop congratulating Obama for killing bin Laden. The Navy SEALs killed bin Laden. <laughs> And I'm sure he'd want to be held to the same standards. Yes, of course. In that wonderfully witty and well-observed way that only crowds at sporting events can muster, a collective comment was directed at Trump at the Houston Astros and Washington Nationals Baseball World Series game on Sunday. I love the way that they came up with, as one, with superbly apposite humour, the only thing they could to thumb their noses, satirise and belittle Trump in one three-word phrase when the crowd of thousands spontaneously chanted, lock him up. Whilst cameras picked up veterans for impeachment banners behind the catcher, the Morning Joe show said, we are Americans and we do not do that. We do not want the world hearing us chant, lock him up to this president or to any president, when clearly thousands did do just that. And of course, as for presidential candidates and wives of former presidents, hell yeah, no problem, chant away at them. Hey, we'll even get the president to join in to show just how American he is. The video of uh, Trump looking, when, when Trump appears on the screen, he kind of looks up and he's yeah. so happy. Because he think because this is the this is the same day that he announced that they had killed the ISIS leader, and you can just see him yeah. go in a matter of seconds from oh yeah I'm on the screen they all love me they're going to cheer for me oh, yeah. they're booing oh now they're chanting <laughs> and it's just <laughs> it's amazing the the emotional rollercoaster so that good. he goes on <laughs> it's brilliant it's brilliant yeah. To watch. 
It's so good. It's a bit like when uh, Boris was uh, listening in to Stormzy at Glastonbury who, and one of his songs has got fuck Boris in it and Boris was convinced it it was back Boris so he's dancing away to this playback and he's just going, no, fuck Boris. But- it's like in The Simpsons when, when everyone's booing uh, Mr Burns and Smithers says, no, they're saying boo-urns, boo-urns. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, that's excellent. Great. <sighs> Former White House Chief of Staff John Kelly said at a political summit recently that he cautioned Trump against hiring yes-men, apparently telling him, don't hire someone that will just, you know, nod and say, you know, that's a great idea, Mr. President, because you will be impeached. Press Secretary, (laughs) who's never actually held a press briefing, Stephanie Grisham, decided to challenge this wisdom by taking yes-man to its natural totalitarian conclusion right on the eve of Trump's impeachment. In a statement to CNN, Grisham said... I worked with John Kelly and he was totally unequipped to handle the genius of our great president. (laughs) Rumour has it that she then unfurled several banners featuring the president's face and started humming the Battle Hymn of the Republic. Oh, yeah. (laughs) In the latest from the No Smoke Without Fire department, the White House is looking to veto the new SHIELD Act passed by the Democrats last Wednesday. SHIELD stands for Stopping Harmful Interference in Elections for a Lasting Democracy, which also won the most unambiguously specifically focused and self-referential acronym award, or MUSFASA, of 2019. Basically, it does what it says on the tin, as we say in the UK, and it also imposes new rules on placing political ads on social media to put them in line with the rules with TV and radio. All good timely stuff, vital to elections, I hear you acknowledge. And you'd be just like the White House, who agreed that transparency and accountability were vital to elections. And yet, weirdly, it also argued that the bill's reporting requirements would overly burden campaigns without securing US elections, calling the act redundant, overly broad, ambiguous and unenforceable. Well, it's certainly been unenforceable whilst there's no rules in place and with Mr. Unenforceable in place too. Good to know that Trump is thinking first of others and the extra burdens it had placed on them rather than himself and his self-centred act of megalomania for once. Cheers, Donny. One of the funniest reactions in the Ukraine-Biden debacle has been watching Trump's large adult children claim to be outraged that the child of a politician would ever use their father's position for personal gain. <laughs> The fact that none of them has burst into flames on Fox News is all the proof we need that there's no God. Of course, no Trump would ever gain personal benefit from Donald's presidency, which means it must be a coincidence that the US Marshal Service awarded a $33 million security contract to a firm in which Trump's brother Robert owns a financial stake. Sometimes you wonder what all this corruption is based on, but then you look and it's just corruption all the way down. (laughs) Yep. In a way, not inconsistent with the way we all know Trump thinks he's a stand-up comic, and yet he isn't. God damn it, he's worse than Arthur Fleck. Well, it turns out we were so taken in by his infectious humour, the yellow-haired joker, not the green-haired one, that we'd failed to notice that he was joking all along when he mentioned last week that he's building that wall on the southern border of Colorado. A joke delivered in such a deadpan way it raised the eyebrows of the gathered crowd of Pennsylvanians who began to doubt that they had known since kindergarten, despite being 1,500 miles from Colorado, that Colorado borders New Mexico, not actual Mexico. 
So, is this a new wall from the centre of slats? No, apparently not. He later corrected us in our idiotic misconception by pointing out that when he said Colorado and the wall, he actually said they would be getting the benefit of the wall, the wall on the border. (laughs) What, are we stupid or something? All hail the humble, apology, self-effacing, not afraid to backtrack king. Just a thought, can we not persuade Elon Musk to take Trump for free up in SpaceX high enough to see all of the US laid out below and maybe to step outside for a moment to enjoy the view? Rudy Giuliani is like a gift that keeps on giving. If the thing you want for Christmas is a terrible lawyer that keeps accidentally admitting to crimes while trying to deny other crimes he also definitely committed. The grown adult who is responsible for keeping the secrets of the leader of the free world has been butt-dialing a reporter at NBC and leaving voicemails in which he bad-mouths the Bidens and asks businessmen for hundreds of thousands of dollars. Okay, these ones aren't actually crimes, but give it a week or so. Won't even take that long. (laughs) Okay, here's another bedtime story from the tales of Brexit. Are you sitting on the edge of your seat? Then I'll begin. So, the big bad Boz huffed and he puffed and he brought his deal that isn't a deal to the first house and blow me down if the house actually let him pass for about 17 minutes when they then said we'd rather like longer to look at it, please, and rejected his three-day timetable. And Bozza couldn't understand why. He'd not read it, so he didn't know how long it was, when in reality it'd take you three days just got the pages in order. It makes War and Peace look like a 4am tweet from Angry of Washington. He thus got miffed and huffed and withdrew the whole thing altogether. You see, Mr. Bozzer doesn't like scrutiny. He doesn't like revealing that his entire fabric is made of a tissue of lies and bluster and doesn't like having it held up to the light. He also dodged yet another evidence session from the Commons Liaison Committee on that basis, scribbling a note from his mum saying, sorry, the PM can't come. He's pretending to be invisible. So instead of saying, okay... Let's just take our time. He took his ball away and said, right, you have a go at being in charge. See if you like it and table for another vote on holding an election. His third, I think. No one, of course, was interested. He, like Theresa May before him, offered to fall on his own sword and missed. Even though he said, look, if you vote to dissolve the parliament, I'll give you extra time to scrutinise the deal that isn't a deal, knowing, of course, no one would thus be in parliament to scrutinise it. And no one fell for it, except for one little kid in the yellow-suited opposition party who saw through the Bozza's new clothes and said, why don't we have a different way of calling an election that doesn't need big numbers, which Bozza called a stunt. And then he did it anyway, and now we're having an election in December when it's dark and cold, and he hopes no one but angry, hot people will vote. And it isn't an election, really, because all it is is a way of getting another minority government back in to suffer under the weight of the poison chalice that is Brexit. Sisyphus had it easy. Now, can we please have our sanity back, repair this broken timeline, go back to 2016 and try the other route? You know, the one less travelled that will make all the difference. (laughs) So that's all the bad arguments and faulty reasoning we have time for this episode. You can find the show notes at fallaciousTrump.com and if you hear Trump say something stupid and want to ask if it's a fallacy, our contact details are on the contact page. If you think we've used the fallacy ourselves, let us know. And if you've had a good time, please give us a review on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts. And you can support the show on our Patreon page at patreon.com slash ftrump. You can also connect with us and other listeners in the Facebook group at facebook.com slash groups slash fallaciousTrump. All music is by The Outbursts and was used with permission. So until next time on Fallacious Trump, 
We'll leave the last word to the Donald. That's right. Go home to mommy. Bye.